This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. And if you enjoy what we do here at Locked on Rockets, do me a huge favor, subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, free and available on every single platform you can imagine, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, you name it, our podcast is is there now joining us as we continue our Southwest Division breakdown series is none other than the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, Jake Madison himself. What's up, Jake? How you doing, man? Not too much. Happy to be on talking some hoops with you today. Absolutely. And we're going to, you know, we got a lot to dive into here regarding the Pelicans. I want to, you know, kind of get get an idea of where the Pels are at as a South. I don't want to say Southwest Division rival. Because it feels like the Rockets and Pelicans have never necessarily had like a rivalry between them two. It's usually right. You consider the Rockets and then the Spurs and the Mavericks with the, you know, the Texas triangle of sorts. But it always just kind of feels like the Pels and the and the Grizzlies are kind of just like, you know, in the Southwest Division. And there's like a healthy like understanding of one another between the teams. But it's not necessarily the rivalry that the Texas triangle is. Right. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that uh, t- totally fair. I will say, though, like Houston has traveled well to New Orleans. There's usually a good section of like Rockets fans in the Smoothie King Center making some noise, which riles up the Pels fans that are there. So like you see it because of like the close proximity and easy drive just along I-10 to get there. But no, I'm with you for the most part. It feels like it's more New Orleans and Memphis. And then the Texas teams are kind of separate from all of that. And Houstonians love to hit up Lake Charles on their way in and out of Louisiana. So that's a, that's definitely a thing that happens. Um, with that, Jake, before we dive into kind of the this this preview that we've got outlined for our listeners, I wanted to ask you, because you brought up a really interesting point. Obviously, we've had the news recently coming out for the Houston Rockets that John Wall planning to sit out and you know still remain with the team, but sitting out, not playing in games, kind of opening up the pathway for the this this youth movement for the Rockets, for the young rookies to really get more playing time, more reps, all of that. And you drew a pair parallel on Twitter to kind of the similarities between this situation and the situation involving the Pelicans with one Anthony Davis. So I wanted to spend a minute and kind of give you a chance to talk about that and where you think, you know, there might be a little bit of hypocrisy with the league, maybe not, you know, not stepping in with this situation, because at least to my knowledge, the difference that is kind of between what happened with AD and the Pels and John Wall and the Rockets is AD and the Pels, right? AD and Clutch Sports wanted AD to play, whereas in this situation, it seems like John Wall is content to sit out and they actually don't want him playing. So where's your head at regarding this? So look, there's some differences to this, like totally, but I don't think from what the league did to New Orleans where they find the Pelicans, right, for trying to sit a healthy Anthony Davis. When Anthony Davis did want to play, he made that trade request public and kind of went all toxic and like did the nuclear option on this sort of thing, right? Like kind of similar to what happened with James Harden. That's the that's the playbook now to force your way out of a team. New Orleans like, screw you, we're going to sit you, we're not going to play you then because one, you don't want that guy to get hurt if you're trying to trade him, right? And tank some of their value. And then the league basically find New Orleans and was like, you've, you've got to play him. 
you know, here it, it's different because both it sounds like both parties, John Wall and the Rockets, have agreed that like this isn't the best fit. I shouldn't play. We shouldn't play you, and we should go with the good youth movement to not try and you know. And we don't want you to get injured too, given the history to potentially tank whatever trade value he has. And like when you try and it, it, it's not that high, right? It's impossible to figure out a trade with forty four million and forty four seven million dollars in salary in the next two years. But I, I, the league came to New Orleans, and it wasn't like this is a one way street. It was just more he's a healthy player. You need to play him. That's kind of the situation with John Wall, right? Like he's not injured. You know, he's healthy. He should be playing games, maybe not every day, maybe not back-to-backs, but he should be playing. Just to sit him, it's hypocritical from that sense. It's not the wrong decision, right? Like, I don't think it's necessarily the wrong decision for Houston. I don't even think it's the wrong decision for John Wall to be like, I'm going to step back and not do this right now. But if he's healthy in the leagues, like you're supposed to play healthy players, it comes into the whole load management thing too, right? Play these guys when they're healthy on your team because that's what fans want to see. That's where the league came in on. And that's why if they don't step in here, it's a little bit hypocritical. I also don't actually really care that much about it, to be perfectly honest. Teams should do what's in their best interest. And this is in the best interest of both parties. So like, screw it. But it's not a fan friendly thing. That's where I don't why I don't think the NBA is going to do anything. And it's not as a big name anymore as Anthony Davis was. But that's where I think there's some hypocrisy there. And I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. And I think it, it does kind of differentiate itself in the sense that, right, AD's, you know, top 10, top five player, right, a very recognizable face in the league, star, you know, star caliber talent. He's going to put butts in seats, that kind of thing. And so they don't want to miss out on that as well as the fact that they did want him to get those reps, those minutes. I mean, I, I do think it is a little bit hypocritical, but at the same time, the situations are a little bit different for a lot of the reasons that you already outlined. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to highlight it because I think it's interesting looking at situations like that and thinking, okay, well, how much, you know, how how different do these situations vary first off? And then secondly, right, if the NBA is going to jump in on a Pelicans-like situation, but then not say anything to the Houston Rockets, it is a little bit hypocritical. And But then where do you draw the line, right? Because there's other situations, right, where, you know, looking at, what the Rockets are doing right now with John Wall, it is in the best interest for for Wall and probably for the Rockets. But then there's those past circumstances that are a little bit frustrating to go back on. And it, you, I think you and I both are just like, if the NBA could just have some level of consistency with some of these like decisions that they make across the board, seemingly it would be pretty nice. But unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. Yeah, no, exactly. Like it, it just isn't. And look, I, I think these teams also, you know, they're independent entities. They should run themselves. If this is what they want to do, you kind of let them do it, whether it's a mistake or not. Right. And I also look at this and kind of wonder, is it in John Wall's best interest not to play? And I'm not entirely sure. And I know he's kind of saying and doing all of the right things here and not making it toxic, but you're an NBA player. You, you want to play basketball for the most part. That's yeah. what these guys want to do. So for a player to come out and be like, no, no, it's cool. I'm not going to play is a little bit weird to me. And I wonder how much of this is just the Rockets being like, no. And he's just kind of rolling with it because what's he going to do? And he's saying all the right things to at least kind of save some of his reputation, maybe, you know, or, or not drag this out. I don't know. But also, like I said, I don't really care. Like, it's fine. The Houston Rockets can do what they want to do. They're, it's totally cool in my book, but there is no consistency with the way the NBA enforces this. Yeah, it's a little frustrating to say the least. But now that we've kind of nipped that in the bud, I want to dive into our Pelicans preview series. We're going to get there in just one second after a quick message from our friends over at DirecTV. Because look, does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and then you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the other good stuff that you're missing out on, right? Let me tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle, a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV. 
stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the absolute best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, chatting with Locked on Pelicans host Jake Madison. Now, Jake, where I want to start things off with to get an, you know, a kind of an understanding of where the Pelicans organization is at and where they're headed. What were your expectations kind of going into this past campaign, this past season for the Pelicans? And did they either like, were they, did they play at your expectation level? Did they kind of play below that or did they exceed your expectations for this past season? Uh, they definitely did not exceed my expectations this past season. Look, l- last year was a hey bit man, of a disaster. I don't know how low the bar was set for you. Okay, <laughs> I'm just giving you a chance. All right, man. No, no, I appreciate that. Um, I th- I'm sure the Pelicans wish the bar was was lower than it actually was too, because I've been pretty hard on them the past year. No, look, you had Zion Williamson going into this year. You had a new head coach and Stan Van Gundy that seemed like it could work out. At least on paper, it sounded good, and they spun it really well. And this was a team that was supposed to defend at a high level, build around Zion and get into the playoffs. He's a transcendent player. You know, he's probably the best prospect coming into the NBA since Anthony Davis, the most hyped guy coming into the the league since LeBron James. You've got to win when you have a guy like that. And when you trade Anthony Davis and get an all-star next to him, like Brandon Ingram, like your rebuild is jump-started. It doesn't take you three or four years to get into the playoffs. The timeline is significantly much more accelerated than it normally would have been. And man, they couldn't even get the 10th seed. And they were really healthy all year long. Like there's no other way to put it other than, no, it wasn't a success. The minimum, the minimum they needed to do was to get into the playing tournament and they could not do that. And that's a pretty big disaster. They had that kind of disaster in the bubble when they came in where the league basically made the rules so that that team with Zion could get into the playoffs, right? And then they just weren't able to get it done this season whatsoever. They couldn't defend. At times, the offense looked a little bit out of sorts in the half court. You know, the roster clearly didn't have enough shooting on it. Stan Van Gundy was just an outright disaster. And firing him after one year, looking back on it, right, like that makes the season look even worse. Like that's the guy you hired when all of the stuff that's come out of that after is like how in the world did that guy get the job? It it makes everything a bit of a mess. And now the Pelicans basically – Any progress they had last year or going into last year has kind of been reset and you almost start from like a step below where you would expect them to be. And it feels like they wasted a year to a certain degree. So, no, like last year, I'm I'm not a fan of what happened to New Orleans. So that begs the question, and because we're going to dive into what the what those new set of expectations are getting into this next season uh, coming up in just a second. But that begs the question: What was your, you know, either the biggest question or maybe just a pair of questions that you had going into the off season for this team? We're going to figure out if those questions were addressed. But you know, where where were you at with you know what needed to change for this team at the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, they needed to change a lot, right? Like you could see that that roster just wasn't working. They weren't defending the pieces around Zion and to a lesser extent, B.I., like just 
didn't quite fit, like, right? Like, Lonzo Ball's a good player, but doesn't quite fit on what the Pelicans were trying to do, given what his skill set is, where he's not really that pure point. And he's more of a spot-up shooter. That's a useful guy to have, but you could tell that after two years, they just could not run back the same starting five and expect different results and expect to be a playoff team after what happened, even with a new head coach coming in. So I expected some significant roster turnover and them really being aggressive either in free agency with all the cash they had to spend or all of the or on the trade market with all of the first round picks they've gotten from the Anthony Davis deal from the Drew Holiday deal to really cash some of those pieces in and bring in like that third difference maker to pair alongside Zion MBI to kind of be your big three going forward. They turned the roster over, but they didn't really make that that like huge splash. The Kyle Lowry that they were chasing after, the Chris Paul that they were chasing after. Clearly, point guard was a bit of a need for New Orleans. So from that, it's a little bit of a disappointing offseason, but it kind of shows you what they're hoping to achieve and where we should kind of set our expectations for going into next season. But clearly, they just couldn't do the exact same. And I'm glad they made the changes of, look, it's tough to fire a head coach after one year and to admit you made a mistake on that. Um, as David Griffin did, but he ripped the bandaid off is basically like I screwed up with bringing the complete opposite of a guy in Willie Green. I applaud them for making those kind of moves for undoing some of the damage they did trading for Steven Adams and extending him. And then you've got to say that didn't quite work. You moved him in the deal with Memphis, bringing in Valanciunas. So I like that they changed things up enough and weren't content to just double down on their mistakes and understood kind of the sunk cost that they invested in some of these guys, rip the bandaid off, try some different things and then go for with that path with that kind of we we got the news a little bit earlier this offseason that Mike D'Antoni was set to be joining as a uh not an assistant coach but I forget the it started with a c I'm trying to think of uh he's a consultant consultant there we go I was like I was like wait a minute the best job in the world probably (laughs) right I wonder what his uh his customary retainer is but uh that being said you know I kind of am wondering where where do you think they're going to go with, you know, Zion Williamson? Obviously, they kind of didn't bring in that that veteran point guard presence that they really wanted a Kyle Lowry esque, you know, a Chris Paul type person to to really be that, you know, floor general type person for this unit. Do you see them going more of like that point Zion route with him having the ball in his hands more this upcoming season, running a lot of the offense through him? What do you think happens there? Yeah, I think it's kind of, it's almost like a Voltron of point guards. Bring in like five secondary ball handlers and see if they kind of add up to being like one and a half really good ball handlers or something like that. Point Zion was a very real thing. And that's the best thing Stan Van Gundy did and probably what got him the job here in New Orleans. Identifying that early on and then putting that into action after about a month, month and a half of the season. And look, no one had an answer for that. And Zion was historic last year. And he only got better as the season went on with his passing and showed off some real creativity with his ability and being such a big focal point of of the offense, right? Like that's the biggest threat on there. You've got to commit a guy or two to him. means other dudes are going to be open. And he can find those other guys. And if you can build your offense around that, that's going to be really helpful. But Brandon Ingram averaged almost five assists per game last year. He can be a bit of a point forward too for the team. So between those two, I think you have a lot of that initiating a lot of your primary ball handling duties covered. You have Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's likely going to be stepping into a starting spot who can handle the rock as another secondary ball handler. So I think there's enough passing and enough creativity 
spread throughout the roster that almost maybe keeps teams guessing how how you know how it's going to go on a per possession basis but it's primarily going to go through zion but if that doesn't work i wouldn't be shocked if they get a little aggressive on the trade market maybe trying to bring someone in there's a reason they were going after kyle larry after a guy like chris paul and i wonder if they're a little bit worried that teams are going to figure out how to defend point zion a little bit better and you still just need a little bit more stability in the backcourt it's going to be really unproven this year especially if it's Nikhil alexander walker and maybe Kyra Lewis Jr. who's going to be a second year player who didn't get a ton of minutes last year and is still really raw. Maybe it's Devontae Graham, but he's more of a spot up shooter than a point guard or anything else like that. So I think they'd still like to add somebody like that. So it'll remain to be seen. But going into the season, it certainly looks like it's going to be the point Zion show and to a lesser extent, the point BI show. Is there anybody you're talking about, you know, that they still might need to fill that void? Is there anybody that you currently see or have on the trading block for the Pelicans? Somebody that, you know, you could see being moved in a deal either at the day at the trade deadline or a little bit later on, maybe not quite that far into the season to really, you know, round out this roster and get them that more true facilitator that they may or may not need. Maybe, you know, they get into a month into the season, they realize the Voltron of point guards isn't quite working. They need a, you know, a more practiced hand at that starting one spot. Yeah, so so it's funny because I actually on Wednesday did a show of like, would the Pelicans go after John Wall and is there any sort of trade that makes sense? One, I don't really think there is a deal. Let's just kill that right now. That makes a ton of sense. As I said, it's tough to figure it out with him and the money that he's owed, but he's a buy low candidate, right? Like you don't need to give up a first round pick or even second round picks to get him. And in theory, Houston's giving stuff to you to kind of take him on. You could build a trade package around something, but I think, you know, it'll depend on a couple of other pieces for New Orleans, too. If uh, third-year center Jackson Hayes really comes on and looks like a guy who can be a starter, he's a better fit in the front court next to Zion than Valanciunas is. Valanciunas has a nice three-point percentage but doesn't shoot threes and isn't a threat there and isn't a vertical spacing like lob threat, right? Like, you don't really need to defend him down low and you want him doing post-ups against you. He might beat you that way, but they're not. it's not the most efficient way to play basketball. And you don't want that necessarily next to Zion. So if all of a sudden Jackson Hayes is ready to be the starting center, I think you could move Valanciunas on that expiring deal. Josh Hart is essentially on a one-year $12 million deal, which makes him maybe a bit of an appealing piece in a trade somewhere. Plus, you have some salary in Tomas Sadoransky. Those would be the three players after December 14th that you could include in a trade for John Wall. Those are kind of like the big things, right? Like they they can't trade other first-round picks at least uh, uh, one season after this one because of the Devontae Graham deal. So they're like a little bit limited in what they could do in terms of trying to upgrade the roster this season. And this kind of comes down to like what the whole theme of the season is going to be. You're going to ask me about expectations. Look, the way they get good this year is if they have a lot of internal growth. That's what they're banking on. They didn't bring in the big pieces this offseason to really elevate them as a contender, in my opinion. Are they better than they were last year? Yes. Are they significantly better? I'm not so sure, to be perfectly honest. But if Nikhil Alexander-Walker emerges as a dependable starter, if Zion takes a step on the defensive side of the ball, if Jackson Hayes is ready to be a near starter level center, that's how this team really takes a big step forward and makes a dent into the playoffs and isn't just a play-in tournament team. And that's really what they're banking on because they struck out in free agency this year. So if you're telling so if you're telling me right now you're David Griffin and you're you have on the table an option of what do we have uh Josh Hart and Valentunis and who else we got in Sadoransky. Uh, Sadoransky. There we go. That's or like the only say, way it makes sense. Let's let's say for for John Wall, Daniel House Jr. and Kyrie Thomas, you're not pulling the trigger on that deal. 
not yet unless things have gone really, really poorly <laughs> here in New Orleans. But so here, here's another thing to keep in mind for New Orleans, though, in a, in a potential John Wall deal. If they can get a first round pick that's this coming year or the year after that, it frees them up to trade the other one. They owe next season's first round pick to Charlotte. So because of the step rule, they can't trade the one the year after that. You can't owe consecutive first round picks. If you can get a pick in one of those two years, you can start to trade some picks around then and make another move this uh, during the season leading up to the trade deadline. So if it's John Wall and a first round pick for those three players and whatever it takes to kind of make that stuff work, and then that frees New Orleans up to use a first round pick to trade for someone else before the trade deadline too, it's John Wall and another player for those three guys, not just John Wall coming back for those three guys. That's where things get a little bit more complicated and you get so many moving pieces in there. That's That would be, I think, the main motivation to do a John Wall deal. But I think things would have to go really poorly for New Orleans to feel that desperate to, to kind of bring that on. All right. Well, that's fair. Desperation times for New Orleans calls for de- desperation measures. Possibly. We'll, we'll see Possibly. if we actually, cr- we'll see if we cross that bridge at some point in the season, but want to dive into the expectations coming forward for this season, the way the lineup is going to look for the Pelicans. And we're going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at built bar, because look, if you never had a protein bar that you actually care about, you got to check out built bar. They've got so many amazing flavors to choose from raspberry mint chocolate brownie salted caramel my personal favorite the coconut brownie chunk you absolutely can't go wrong with a single bar on their menu every single bar is low cal low sugar high protein high fiber they're great if you're on a keto diet great if you're trying to lose weight and you can check them out just visit built.com and use promo code lock 15 to get 15 percent off your very next order again that's built.com using promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off your next order of the best tasting protein bars you will ever have by built.com and another message from our friends over at betonline.ag because look, we got football back, basketball right around the corner, baseball still going strong. BetOnline also has you covered for UFC, MMA, you name it. They've got it over at BetOnline AG. It's your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. They have a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline AG continues to be the number one source for everything football as well as the other sports I already dropped for you. So head over to their website and sign up today to receive a 100% welcome bonus when we use promo code nfl 100 or locked on again that's promo code nfl 100 or promo code locked on to receive a 100 welcome bonus that's bet online your online sportsbook experts and final segment here at locked on rockets your daily podcast home for everything houston rockets basketball continuing our southwest division preview series with locked on pelicans host jake madison now jake we kind of alluded to some of the expectations for the Pelicans this upcoming season. But I want to start first before we get into those overall expectations and where you kind of think this team is headed right now as it currently stands, as we are recording this uh, midway through September. What is your expected starting five for the Pelicans? And kind of who do you expect to be the main contributors off the bench? Probably like the rest of that, you know, eight, nine, ten man rotation, so to speak. Yeah, so so this is still in pencil. We've got a new head coach coming in. We don't quite know what he's going to go with. And then the other thing to keep in mind with a lot of this is David Griffin, you know, kind of picked this coach to someone to be to a degree, someone he can kind of micromanage to to an extent with the roster and the rotations and all of that. If there's guys in combos he wants being played, Willie Green is going to play those guys and test out some lineups and different rotations and things like that. But obviously you're going to have Valanciunas there at center. You have Zion at the four, B.I. at the the three and then it's most likely going to be uh Devonte graham and then Nikhil alexander walker in the backcourt there's some 
way that maybe BI moves to the two and you start a guy like Najee Marshall at the three and just put some more size out there on the wing. I don't think that's going to be the direction that they're going to go, but certainly it's going to be a possibility if they want a guy like Devontae Graham, maybe running the bench unit, something like that. But I think they want a shooting out there to space the court a little bit better for Zion Williamson. Coming off the bench, you're going to have guys like Josh Hart, uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. In the front court, you're going to have Jackson Hayes, who I think is pretty close to being an NBA starter to a certain degree. Uh, you've also got to have Trey Murphy the third in there, the uh, rookie from Summer League who really lit it up, can defend multiple positions. Then you probably on the, the end of the rotation are going to have a guy like Garrett Temple, just that vet that can cover a couple of different spots. It's going to give you five minutes here and there. I don't really see a guy like Sadoransky in the rotation to start the year. I just don't think that that's what they're looking for and I think they want to go with more with a full-on youth movement so you'll see minutes go to a guy like Kyra Lewis Jr. over him. So, and that's actually a guy that I meant to ask you about a little bit earlier was Trey Murphy the third because he was a guy who I had really high on my Rockets draft board. I was really hoping that he would be available at that 23-24 spot. Unfortunately, he wasn't. Goes number 17 overall to the Pelicans. Uh, but he was a guy that the more and more that I watched, you know, his tape, got more accustomed to what he was going to bring to the table. You know, lengthy 3 and D wing, your prototypical 3 and D wing, right, at the NBA level. And what, what did you see out of him in summer league? Are you really, you know, do you think he has a chance to really crack that rotation, get significant minutes in his rookie campaign. You know, give me your thoughts on him. Yeah, definitely. And this was a guy that New Orleans was really, really high on. They have been scouting him for about two years now or so, and they brought him in for some of the first workouts they did this offseason in the lead up to the draft. So they would have been comfortable taking him at 10, I think. They're thrilled, though, that they were able to get him at 17. And in summer league, he impressed, right? He's a little bit older, but he's not, you know, full on like super senior level. He's not 24 coming into the NBA, but he does all the things you want to be a complimentary player. He's never going to be an all-star level guy, but he's a guy that's going to be able to come in, defend multiple positions. And in summer league, you saw him just shut down Evan Mobley, the fourth overall pick in a center. And this is a guy who's a wing player doing it. And he did an amazing job against him. He showed off the shooting that we all knew he was going to be able to do if Kispert was the best shooter in the draft Trey Murphy the third is probably second or third best shooter I thought going into this so he adds the court spacing element that you want he's an adequate enough defender who does well going through screens I, I'm pretty pleased with what we've seen out of him in summer league and I think he's a guy that's definitely going to get minutes his rookie year and eventually be a starter with this Pelicans team we talked a little bit earlier Jake about the expectations that you had and that the Pelicans had going into this last season, that the bar was with the bar was the play in tournament and they didn't even achieve that. So I'm asking you now, as we're heading into this next campaign, is that still the bar or is the bar even higher to get to a place where, you know, Zion Williamson really feels like the Pelicans are headed in the right direction finally to, to appease him, to make sure that he's happy and that he doesn't start, you know, asking those questions about, okay, like, what are we doing here? Are we are we really building something for the future here and start getting those lingering eyes potentially asking for a, you know, a trade to go somewhere else down the line? Yeah, look, the the bar shouldn't be the play in tournament. It should be higher than that. But given how bad last season was, I think the bar is the play in tournament this year. And when you look at the Western Conference, too, what teams around the Pelicans got significantly worse? They're, they're really aren't any everyone's at least at kind of the same level and no one's taken a huge 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 step backwards I think for the most part and you're going to have teams like Minnesota that's going to be healthy that might get in contention there too so I think when you look at kind of where they are compared to the west uh the rest of the western conference yeah the play in tournament should be the bar 
it, it should be higher. You'd like it to be higher going into Zion's third year to kind of quiet down some of the rumors of discontent that we've heard. And I've talked to his people. They, they're okay with New Orleans, but you know they're not like, hey, yes, he's going to be here forever. So there's definitely some truth to all that. And the front office is definitely feeling the pressure of a lot of that too. So this year is really about showing Zion that they're building something here and they're banking on internal growth to do it. Devontae Graham's a nice player, but that's not a guy that elevates you from being out of the playing tournament to being the sixth seed by himself, no matter how good his shooting might be. So this is going to be on Brandon Ingram taking a step on defense, Zion taking a step on defense and running kind of that point Zion role the whole time, Nikhil being a good starter, all the stuff we kind of already mentioned. But how much, you know, how how big of a step are those guys going to take? I think it gets you into the play-in tournament. Like, that's kind of what, what it is. I think they're better than they were last year. I just don't think they're significantly better unless I'm blown away by the internal growth. But we can't really see that right now. We only find that out when the season starts. So I, I think their play-in tournament, you know, good enough and then should be good enough to get out of that, I think. But beyond that, I think that's a little bit too high for where this team is currently right now. When I look at the kind of the the bottom teams of the Western Conference, that bottom third, you know, I've I've kind of picked the Spurs, and as as silly as it sounds to decide to bet against Greg Popovich, I've kind of picked the Spurs as the team that I'm going to fade out of who made it into the play in this past season. I've actually picked the Pelicans as my team that's going to make it out of that bottom bunch. Um, I've discussed this. With I've Matt heard you Moore on Lockdown, Lockdown NBA, NBA talk about yeah, this. There you go. I, I I think that the Pelicans have a really talented duo when you look at Zion and Bi. And I think there have been some questions about how well do those two truly complement each other. But at the end of the day, talent trumps fit all the time at the NBA at the NBA level. And I think those two guys are too talented of a duo with the other pieces put around them to not make it. When you look at the fact that they're only two games out of the playing tournament this past season, right? So mm-hmm. you know, a few things break a little bit differently this season. We could have been talking about the Pels in that spot that the Spurs were occupying. And I think that's exactly what we're going to see this upcoming season. No, you're not wrong. And that's why I kind of have the bar set for them there. They're better than they were last year. And look, they were terrible in clutch games last year. If two or three of those go a different direction and they don't blow double digit leads in the fourth quarter, like it's a regular thing, they're into the playing tournament. And the bar this year is even higher than what it was for, uh, you know, than what we have it set right now. As you said, the duo there of BI and Zion is really good. And I, I literally just did a show talking about how they fit well together. I actually think the fits really good, especially offensively. BI, if you look at his numbers, they're literally exactly the same from the season before when he won most improved player and was an all-star. And he did it with a completely different shot profile because Zion was injured most of his rookie year. He BI had to come in, play a bit of a different scoring role and shoot more from mid range and kind of hunt for different shots in different areas. And he did it wonderfully. That's the sign to me of, two guys fitting really well, I think. And as you said, they're so talented. The question is, can they do it on the defensive side of the ball? I think this is where having just a new head coach is such an important thing. Defense is more about buy-in than necessarily anything else, I think. And these guys did, especially Brandon Ingram, hated Stan Van Gundy. B.I. like despised that dude. Zion was okay with him. Having a new head coach that can just reach these guys in a different way and get the most out of them and get their buy-in, I think goes a really long way towards helping New Orleans get a couple of more wins this season. And as you said, a couple more wins gets you into the play-in tournament. That probably can get you out of the play-in tournament and into the playoffs. And that's where I ultimately think New Orleans is going to end up. Got one more thing for you, Jake, before we wrap this thing up. We're going to pivot a little bit back towards Rockets just ever so briefly. Um, What is one piece of 
I guess, like advice or knowledge that you have for Rockets fans or even, you know, other, you know, media members, whatever covering, you know, or, or, you know, being fans of a team that is now going through a rebuild. Cause let's face it, the Rockets were kind of at the top of the pecking order for a very long time during the James Harden era, the better part of the last 10 years almost. And now they have finally, right. The, the NBA life cycle is cyclical. You go in a, you go around in a circle and finally the Rockets find themselves at the bottom of that life cycle, you know, retooling revamped, got the number two overall pick with Jalen Green, but what advice would you provide to fans of the Houston Rockets as they're going through this new process? So to me, it's a couple of ways that I could give some advice on this. I've gone through this a lot. Um, I want to know why to laugh. laugh. It's because, so, because, because what I'm going to say is, is listen to you, listen to Jackson, because bad teams get overlooked by national media. And there's a lot of bad narratives about bad teams and wrong narratives about bad teams because they're not paying attention to them. But Jackson is, and he's covering this team on a daily basis. Yes, I'm on the network too. And that sounds so self-serving in a way, right? But like, it's true. One of the things that I've dealt with and like, I've started as a fan that I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. And kind of that fandom in you just gets like killed the longer you cover a team, right? Like I don't, I don't ride the roller coaster of emotions nearly as much. I'm just like dead on the inside and I can deal with good or bad in like any positive way. And it actually kind of sucks, but it helps in the real bad times where like, I don't care when Kendrick Perkins says stupid things about the team that I covered. Cause I'm dead on the inside. So ignore all of that crap. Listen to, Jackson, who's covering the team, who knows these young guys that are stepping in and is going to be giving you the insight that you need to kind of follow and look for silver linings and hope for the future. And don't worry what like the national media outside says, because they're frankly going to be wrong because they're not watching the Rockets. I love that, Jake, and I love even more so that you use the the terminology of the roller coaster of emotions because I've drawn that comparison so many times, starting kind of from a fan perspective, but then also you know the background in broadcast journalism that I have, all that stuff. And so I've said before, I'm like, I ride the emotions, I ride the highs and lows with you guys, with the fans. And so maybe used give, to give it was about, really fun. <laughs> give me give me about five or six more years, and maybe I'll be dead inside too. <laughs> Just this cynical jerk over here in New Orleans. Um, no, like. I, I'm partially joking about that, but it's just, I see people get so riled up over national media talking about, you know, they should trade BI because BI doesn't fit with Zion and he does. And it's just like, I don't care. That doesn't actually matter about anything or like the Zion to New York rumors, right? Like ESPN actually can't trade him there. That's not something that they're capable of doing and it's not going to happen. So like fans freak out and you just have like an awful week from that. Right. And I'm just like, I'm good. I'm, I'm whatever. I'm going to do my show and, and everything's fine. So it's like tune all of that stuff out. Cause it's only going to make your life uh, miserable. I'm here in Alabama with big, like Alabama family and everything. And so you hear Nick Saban always talk about it as like rat poison. And I've learned like, yeah, that's not just like something he says to keep his players like motivated and making them think they're bad when they're not like, it's actually kind of, true and it can just make your life miserable so ignore it i love the advice jake i appreciate it and i appreciate you taking the time to be here with us on our show let everybody know where to track you down at of course at nola jake on twitter and the host of the locked on pelicans podcast on wednesdays on locked on nba all right jake always a pleasure to be able to talk hoops with you absolutely thanks for having me on man all right, that's going to do it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed our continuing Southwest Division preview series with Jake Madison of the Locked on Pelicans podcast. That's going to do it for today. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.